Martazzi, how's the form? How we doing? Uh, it's like the the post WrestleMania uh, WWE Raw. Um, Michael Cook, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary on the Irish NFL show Monday night week five review slash uh, Monday night football preview. Um, the day after the Giants upset the Packers. Um, in London in, in what was a great game Colm how are you doing sir first off are you doing, you doing good not too shabby at all Michael yeah I'm wishing it was obviously the uh, the Monday night after say uh, one of the, the big WWE events because that generally means something crazy uh, tends to, to happen and uh, obviously we have more news from the NFL today but I don't think any of it is a shock maybe like the big Monday night news like WWE style is Mark's going to turn up Brian is that is that a I think that's very far. Gee, that's far fetched, Michael. I think Mark will be showing up this evening. Mark is out. He's been declared out. Is that what you say? He's questionable to return. No, he's not. He's he's officially out, and he's certainly out this week's Monday night show. Great uh, old day yesterday. Really enjoyed your company as always. And uh, whether you're a Giants fan, a Packers fan, a fan of the league, we saw what I thought was a really great game. Probably one of the best games we've seen in London over the course of the last fifteen years. Great atmosphere. So we'll talk about yesterday in a wee sec. Um, if you're watching live, you can comment on YouTube and we'll go for the questions at the end of the broadcast. See the crack. Obviously, folks, presented by Cassidy Travel, Ireland's number one Cassidy Travel, Ireland's number one travel agents. Uh, check out the link in the bio. Also, check out the link for NFL Game Pass in the bio as well, where you can watch loads of games that aren't blacked out, including uh, the final London game, which is the Jags at the Broncos, which is also on Irish TV at the end of the month. But obviously, a big welcome to everyone. We're going to jump on the news, which came out today at about three or four o'clock and just bear with us tonight because it's um an interesting broadcast just i think we're all a wee bit wrecked these boys only had a drive five minutes last night to get home and this boy here ended up missing the turn off for armagh and ended up near Banbridge. anywho a guy in a worse position at the minute column well not really is matt rule he got fired last night uh, fired today sorry after last night's performance against the 49ers and there's a couple of elements to this that I want to talk about first off I was watching I put Game Pass on in the car on the way back and only listened to the audio before anybody tries to pull me up on it with the cameras in the M1 um, but that game against the, the Niners was pretty much over at that point I thought they would have given them a few more weeks I, I just think it's week, week 5 seems a wee bit early and it I've seen that he's getting this at 800,000 dollars minimum for the next 48 months is that a is that something that surprises you that the panthers with all that money just thought yeah let's get matt rule they gave him 60 million a 60 million deal and now he's gone do you think it's the right decision by the franchise yes yes it's uh, to me it's overdue um he a man a man out of his depth for a long time i I feel and clearly a very good college coach but the transition from college to the nfl you know there there's very few managed to do to do it successfully um you've got to go back a long way harbaugh obviously won um you know uh, conference title went to the Super Bowl um, but the vast majority of guys that come over from directly from the college game to become head coaches struggle and Matt Rule certainly has and you know not helped by obviously the, the QB 
situation in some ways, but um, you know, equally, we'll probably get to talk about the NFC East and the way in which the teams there are, are making the the most of um, their QB situations. So, to to me, I, I think obviously th- this is an interesting one because the Giants were, uh, you know, very interested in Matt Rule at the time. David Tepper, with his money, uh, went out and, and camped out uh, down in Texas and secured him. He was seen, obviously, as a guy who could rebuild the, the program, but it never got off the ground. He fired his offensive coordinator, um, but never, ever in, enjoyed success. I would love to, you know, be told to, um, you know, pack up my office and be paid Forty million for sitting at home on the couch. I, I, I think he be interesting to see if he takes any time out. But he's going to be, you know, in in a college job if he wants it. He is a very successful college coach. But I think his time uh, at, at the NFL level is uh, over. Brian, let's not talk just yet on terms of replacements, but even just your reaction to the news that the Panthers have fired Matt Rule. Is the GM trying to save his bacon, even though the baker? is in trouble for a couple of weeks with an injury. That was a really, really poor game yesterday. I watched the end of it. It doesn't surprise me with Baker Mayfield. Michael, I've made my feelings very clear on this show for the past 18 months, two years. That he, for me, he's not the NFL, NFL level. They've been taking a punt, they've taken a flyer, hoping that he would come back to his form, which he saw and we saw initially when he went to Browns, hasn't materialised. I, I do agree with Colin, it was inevitable that it was going to happen. And um, now I think the timing is, is quite right because whilst they probably won't have a great season, there's still an opportunity to turn things around, to have a reasonably good season. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, three quarterbacks that that's Matt Rule's had to play with. I mean, he hasn't been dealt a good hand. Like Scott Fitter, the GM, that's the guy that's brought all these quarterbacks in. And his name doesn't seem to be up in lights in terms of someone that they're looking to move away from. So that, to me, is a little bit of a surprise. Maybe he'll see the door, or be shown the door. Come the end of the season, I was reflecting... Think about it this evening. If you know, and I'm not saying Justin Fields is the answer, but sometimes the quarterback goes into a better, a better organization with a better situation, and they might be a bit more successful. They picked J.C. Horn in the eighth pick of the 2021 draft, when everybody felt that Justin Fields could be a potential uh, quarterback in, in play there. Like, should they have not? Would that have saved his job? I mean, he's been dealt a bit of a bad hand defensively. They've been good, but defensively, he can only keep you engaged for so long. We saw it last night. They couldn't, and, just, and McCaffrey's had. Injuries. I mean, there's just so many things that have gone against him, unfortunately, but it was inevitable. And uh, the contract, the contract, you know, it, there was the contract was given to stop him going to the Giants at the time. Colin was right, it was Matt Rule or Joe Judge, and it looked like Matt Rule was due to fly up that day to New York. And Tepper stepped in with the big contract, and, and that was it. But inevitable. Um, I also see Steve Wilkes is going to take over. So, he, a lot of Cardinals fans, there might be a difference of opinion on this, felt that he should have been given more time than the one year in Arizona. He has an opportunity now to rebuild his career as a head coach albeit maybe for a small period of time but it's certainly an opportunity to try win the new win the owner over and get the job full-time in the long run Colin the, the New Orleans Saints have the rights to Sean Payton's contract for the next two seasons until 2024 I'm not even going to speculate that Sean Payton would take over and especially when you've got a divisional rival there with the Carolina Panthers do you see any sort of short term or somebody that fits in immediately for that job? Your favourite, maybe Vic Fangio, is, is available. I know he's currently helping the Eagles and that's helping them out at the minute, which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, I can't think of someone that stands out right now. And obviously Colin mentioned Steve Walks there. 
I, I don't think they'll go for perhaps a, a quick appointment. You, you know, look, Sean Payton is obviously the going to probably be the, the standout candidate for anyone. But uh, deprying him from the, the Saints is going to be, uh, you know, what, what exactly are they going to look for? I think that the most immediate thing for the Panthers is whether there will be a fire sale on some of their players because this is the team who um, have, I think, is it three or four picks in next year's draft? And so they they need to acquire some draft capital. Already been talked today that they're receiving calls for DJ Moore, for Brian Burns, and that that is something that they might look to do. I would imagine they're probably going to, to take stock um, and, and see uh, I, I can't imagine the Tepper is going to want to rush into an appointment unless, you know, um, Sean Payton makes it clear that this is what he wants. But I think uh, Sean Payton might well sit on his hands because I think he will have his choice of uh, jobs. And we all know that very few teams decide to make a move during the season. It's usually at the end of the season when teams obviously move on from their head coaches. So I imagine somebody like Sean Payton is going to wait to see what other opportunities may emerge before deciding what he might do. What's your thoughts, Brian, on this possible replacement or the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers? Um, I agree with Colin, but I'd put another little bit of a slant on it. Um, there'll be head coaches come January that will be shown the door elsewhere for one reason or another who are probably very good coaches in the league. We saw Brian Flores, for example. It was a surprise at the time, obviously, as teams have played out in Miami, it's, it's become a bit more transparent around. There was a clear disconnect between him and the, and the ownership. But a coach like him or someone else in the league who people won't expect to be shown the door at the end of the season will be inevitable because that's Black Monday in the NFL and they may look at this and go, there's no point in going in and getting a coach now when there's someone there who's had head coaching experience, we can rely on him for the remainder of the season and see where we're at come January when the likelihood is to be six or seven um, coaches available and Sean Payton is going to be in the, the half for every job. I don't think Sean Payton would go near this job, to be honest. I think it's too much of a rebuild. Sean, I think he'd be looking for someone who would, sorry, looking for a team that would be in a prime for a real run, you know, in terms of having a strong season next year. And that's why I don't think he'd be. And then again, it's the divisional factor for me. It's a non-runner. Can't see him in Carolina at all. I can't see him in Carolina either. And I personally think that the GM will be out by the end of the year as well. Um, just not good to watch. It's funny because they had a few glimmers at the start of the season where, okay, okay people thought there would be a, people thought that they may have a slight chance, especially in the division that they were in. There was a lot of question marks around the other teams. But it hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. And that's why I was surprised. I thought they were going to give it a few more weeks. But that is our uh, reaction, I guess. And there was a lot of Panthers fans, a lot of fans in that division in Ireland that are maybe either not surprised or surprised by this news. So that is our reaction to the firing this afternoon of Matt Rule, who will most likely get a 80 or 90 million dollar I'm only joking he'll get a decent deal in college football and he'll be happy enough and he'll probably laugh all the way to the bank and never come back into the NFL okay so uh, just folks we're going to talk now about the about the London game yesterday uh, it was a really really good game the Giants getting the victory over the Packers a really you know fantastic performance uh, on the defense column from the from the Giants at the end of that game more so as well Daniel Jones in late in the third early in the fourth a couple of really really good drives Saquon had a big burst as well um is it fair to say that the Packers offensively were 
you know, and that's not that's not in the, like the, the Giants had a very very good performance. I have, I have to give it to him; they were they were excellent. But Aaron Rodgers to stand at the podium yesterday and try and defend some of the plays that they made, some of the calls that were made on third and two, is it fourth and two as well towards the end, and. Um, I think I think the offense it just hasn't clicked, and you thought at one point in the first half that they were going to maybe fire away or blow away, and I, I don't think you'd be blamed for thinking like that. But the Giants, to be fair, didn't come back in second half and and beat the Packers, and what seemed like a Packers home game at the start suddenly turned into a home game. Met life, Brian Dable shouting, screaming. Really, really good game. Great atmosphere. Great people. Great crack in the airport as well last night. But uh, has London peaked? Come. Do you think that's it? in terms of because it's a full set I, I just find it hard to see how we're ever going to get a game with as much je ne sais quoi well who, who knows I mean obviously look the Packers coming over their second team to do it the last team to come across Aaron Rodgers etc etc but who, who knows uh, given the way in which the NFL is going we might see uh, reigning NFL Super Bowl champions at some point. So it's tough to know if it's peak, but certainly, obviously, the the reaction um, of Packers fans, the number of them there was very impressive yesterday. But in terms of the game um, and what happened, I I think the Giants have to be commended for that that goal line stand at the end, right? Because they didn't, they were were smart in terms of what they did. They they didn't, yeah, they let the edge guys try to to get and the, the safety try to get to Aaron Rodgers, but the interior guys just looked to get their hands up to block the pass. And that they, they managed to to bat the, the two of them down. So there, there weren't guys, you know, going playing hero ball, trying to um, get their name in lights. And I think that's a testament to what Brian Dable is doing there. <laughs> Front runner for coach of the year at the moment. Look, we're through five weeks. Who knows uh, where it'll end? But uh, I saw Lauren Steins uh, tweeting earlier um highlighting the fact that the, the adjustments and we saw that yesterday the adjustments that the Giants make in the second half so the Giants been outscored 51 to 36 in the first half in the second half though they have outscored op- opponents 70 to 39 and the fourth quarter they've outscored their opponents 34 to 15 so that's a that's a really strong um you know, sign of a team. I, I, they are. You know, um, who knows what the rest of the season will hold and look. Right now, they are certainly greater than the sum of their parts. Uh, you see some of the guys who've had to, to step up, and it was talked about um, at the yesterday at the podium. The guys who've who've had to come in, but it's a testament to to the work that the coaches are doing there. Um, and we heard that referred to time and again at the podium yesterday. Uh, the assistants, the o, the OC, the D. See um, how everyone is involved. So you'd have to say that the yeah certainly I think there were a couple of times during the the first half and Mercedes Lewis's touchdown it just looks so easy, but um, the Giants responded and they completely uh, shut down the the Packers in that second half and the ability to take time off the clock as well was really impressive. Brian, it was a very memorable day for, for Giants fans, including yourself. The thing that really uh, impressed me was the offensive performance, as I said, the column there in the second half. How, how did you feel at the half? Because I, I really felt with like four or five minutes in the second that the Packers were going to pull away. Going beyond that as well, um, to have Re- to have Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, uh, to, to name a few, for a quarterback 
like Aaron Rodgers, who got his got his way, got his big money payday for Matt Lafleur. I don't know how they can look themselves in the mirror because their offense was poor to say the least in the second half. But um, you know, defense stands up as well for the Giants, it does which does as much a job as well. And you gotta question some decisions by Green Bay. But all New York had to do was go out. And I think if you go out every week and get twenty seven points, more so more so or more times more than the others, you're you're gonna have a good yeah. chance of getting the win. Yeah, you're right, Mark. Like you asked how it felt at half time. I was relieved at half time that we were only down by touchdown because essentially we didn't play for large parts of the first half. Um, the game plan was, was quite simple: try and keep with this team. Like you're right, the offense hasn't been expansive for Green Bay is what we saw last year. But like when it was fourteen three, seventeen three, sorry, yeah, everybody felt the game was going to go away from the Giants, but they didn't. They held in there and they had that big, significant drive. Like uh, Collins touched on Week Martin now, so I'm going to flip it to the to the offense corner for the Giants. Uh, Kafka brought in from the Chiefs. He was a quarterback coach with Mahomes. The offense is more expansive. The, the play calling is significant. You know, we'll see more of this wildcat play. And I was looking at it this morning, and the first two drives, the Giants were two and out. You know, they didn't even get a first down on, on both drives. After that, it was field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. His play calling for me was to be commended and. Brian Dable, everybody assumed when he came in, he'd be the one doing the play calling. He was very open from day one saying, Kafka will call the plays on the game day. I will just oversee everything that's going on because I'm here to be the coach. And we've had this conversation, not just around the Broncos, but other teams in the league over the course of two years, that sometimes a coach is better off coaching and leave his coordinators to get on with it because there's too much responsibility on game day. It's great to see. And it was a common theme coming through, as Colm said. Everybody consistently talking about all the background staff, all the coaching staff. It's not just about Brian Dable. Defensively, they shut him down in the second half, and the only score the only score they got in the second half was the safety at the end, which was to kill time. They had one opportunity where they got into field goal range, and that was the most significant play for me in the second half because that's when they sacked Rogers for the first time. They lost out on field goal range at a, at a pivotal time in the, in the third quarter, and they had to punt. They had the Giants had six incomplete passes throughout the course of the entire game. The Rogers had fourteen. I thought some Rogers throws were well off yesterday at times over floating the wide receivers. He didn't, for me, have the greatest of games. Even in the first half, he didn't. For me, he just doesn't, he doesn't look like the guy that we're used to seeing. But um, as you can imagine from a Giants fan and all the Giants fans that we saw at the end, it was, it, it seems like it feels like a significant moment, but we've all been here with our own teams in the course of the NFL. It only takes one week before you're, you're brought back down to earth. But people up to now have said the Giants are 3-1, they haven't played anybody. Well, whatever, whatever we think, this Packers team are in it for the long haul this season. They're still a very good side, and to get out of there, yes, they would have win. And, and the collaborative uh, performance between the entirety of the team, bear in mind, as Colm said, the players in which they have aren't standing out in this league. It's uh, it's it's a huge, and for Giants fans who haven't had a lot to embrace and enjoy over the past 10 years, it's probably one of the best wins we've had for quite a long time. Giants schedule, very, very favourable column going into the next few weeks. Um, Cowboys play the Eagles this week, so we'll round up the show now and just say Brian's picking the Cowboys uh, on the Thursday night broadcast. In all seriousness, though, column, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a funny time because the, the, the commanders are useless, but the rest of the NFC East have got winning records and uh, how times can change. Yeah, um, and, and change very quickly. And I suppose also testament again to the parity of the, the league and everything that the league uh, tries to, to do. Um, when we were watching the, the game yesterday and Nathan Johns from the Irish Times um, was in the press box beside me and he said kind of as soon as the Giants got the ball back, 
Um, will they maybe run, uh, go for a, a safety here? Um, and we were talking about that at the time and kind of the, the back and forth on, on that. And I saw um, a, a tweet from Gary Myers where he was uh, had a chat with Bill Parcells and Parcells uh, said he was screaming at the TV uh, for, for Dable and the coaching staff to take the, the safety. Um, so uh, when, when somebody like Bill Parcells is screaming for it and given the I suppose the end of game decisions and the clock management decisions that we've seen in the league this year uh, it proved to, to be the the right call uh, in in the end and, and that's I think quite what's interesting when you look at it sometimes the the straightforward call is not always the the one and you know sometimes it works in your favor sometimes it doesn't but given how well the the Giants were defending um you know it made a lot of sense to take more time off the clock and give uh, Rodgers uh, less time. But yeah, I mean, you'd have to say um, you, you look around the, the NFC East and obviously look the the Eagles, there's, there's no obvious flaw there uh, for the Giants. They're playing incredibly well uh, for Brian Dable and for the Cowboys. Uh, we'll get, to, we'll get to, to them, I think in a little bit, but you'd have to be impressed by a team that has beaten uh, both of last year's Super Bowl teams, um, you know, so far the, this season. Yeah, I can confirm the Cowboys are not on a quick fire discussion. Brian, just to wrap up this game, uh, Giants currently unbeaten in London as it stands for the Green Bay fans that are listening because you know we've seen I've seen so many in the airport yesterday and mates that flew from Belfast as well said that Belfast was full of Green Bay fans and obviously loads of Giants fans as well do you think Mark Murphy will want to get back quickly and experience a win or do you think that could be it for a while I think that depends on well it's going to come around the scenario when they're in the ninth team it's always going to be now you know when you have your ninth home game I think they'll be keen to come back um, <clears throat> with a Rodgers <clears throat> excuse me as a quarterback by the time they return it is probably a different conversation but um, I think they will be you know whilst they didn't win the game I think they will be very impressed by the, how the course of the three or four days went from in terms of the fan support all the engagement that went on and yesterday for the first half you would say it was like a home game for the, for the Packers but as the game transpired it didn't really turn out that way because there was quite a number of Giants fans there and um, Packers are always going to be a great draw like even no matter who they're playing up against um they're always going to have the fans whether it's UK or in Europe so I, I, I do think they'll be back sooner than the seven year which is kind of the ruling now that you're, you go once every seven years I think we might find the Packers back maybe they'll come back as their own team as opposed to giving up a game in London you could be retired at the time they come back um, I, seven I'll definitely, years I'll, I'll definitely be it's going to be interesting. Okay, let's let's jump on the other game. Uh, the other game we're going to talk about in this segment, folks, for this podcast is a uh, big win for the Chargers. 30-28 against the Browns. Browns miss a uh, final second field goal to win the game. Let's jump on it now. I don't know if it was like the 35-yard line or like the 40-yard line. Or I can't. I haven't got it on me right now. But Brandon Staley, at, was it 4th and 2? Um, went for it. And it's just funny because, um, Colm, the analytics on ESPN stated that he was right to go for it that's literally what it says on the analytics however I think we all know that he's a madman and it genuinely seems as if if the analytics if if the analytics said to him go and take Justin Herbert out and put the kicker on a quarterback he'd do it maybe he's very involved in the decision making process in his job lucky for him he's playing the Broncos next week so they get over the line and he looks like the good guy because they win the game but um you would think in that situation you would just punt the ball or are you that confident 
in your team and, and in your offense at that point? Well, look, the, the analytics would say go for it, and, and that makes sense in 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 ways. But the Chargers have proven time and again that they don't have the personnel, and, and they they haven't been good at going for it. So it's all very well if you have the the personnel to go out and do it, and you're you know you're rolling and uh, you're you can you know. But to me, the biggest issue, I suppose, is that they haven't been doing it. And yet he keeps going for it, and um, that that is the the frustration. I think the you know you'll see that amongst some Chargers fans as, as well. It kind of get out of jail free card. I, I did see a, a great tweet uh, from Big Pappy who said the Chargers tried so hard to charger this, but the Browns browned even harder, uh, and that kind of summed it up. It was a get out of jail free card for uh, Staley and the Chargers, and I can only imagine some of the decisions that we are going to see on Monday Night Football next week. He's he's the cleverest head coach in the league, Michael. Haven't I've been saying it for the last year and a half? He well, you've been very, you've been very you, I mean, not not dying, but you were very um, uh, okay. critical or constructive of his decision making over the last few weeks. So I was intrigued to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I think Brian, when you've got a, and I'll just I'll get your point here now. Yeah. I think when you got a quarterback as talented as Herbert, you want to be able to protect him and not have him on the field in that sort of situation as well. I just didn't get the play, and I'll hold my hands up. I didn't get that. Like, why would you go for it there with uh, the I, clock? Believe in your defense, get the ball back. Agree with you, Michael. Absolutely, 100%. Can't argue in any way. Fortin Trey with one thirteen left on their 46-yard line. He said after the game, I took the time out to watch his press conference today because I love, I love how he antagonizes me every week. So nothing better on a Monday than seeing Brandon Steady annoy me. I was having too good of a day. I said that someone's going to have to annoy me. So I said I went and watched the press conference. And he said he's, he had all the fate in the world in his defense and they did, the, they did what was asked them and they stopped the Browns from scoring. They didn't stop the Browns from scoring. The Browns stopped themselves from scoring. They got into position to win the game and they missed the field goal. So he says that he came up and said, I trust my defence. My defence did what was expected of them and we won the game. No, the Browns still got an opportunity to win the game. So he's wrong there. And if he trusts his defence like he does, well then why wouldn't you punt the ball and let them start at their own 20 or whatever it is, give or take, depending on where the punt goes. So if you have that much faith in your defence, let them drive 60 yards as opposed to only having to drive 17 yards to get into the field goal range. So he's wrong there. Keenan Allen tweeted after that play, WTF, what the hell are we doing? So he didn't have any faith in what the indecision that was being called by his own coach, because obviously he's at home watching it because he's out injured. So look, they got away. There was three key, for me, there was three key plays in the game, three key situations. Um, the Browns had a really long drive before half time. They missed the field goal. They're in the red zone. Jacoby Brissett chose an interception in the red zone. And then obviously the winning, the, the game winning field goal that doesn't go over. The rookie kicker, who me and Colin were actually on the top of yesterday, how impressed we've been with him, had a bad day. Um, they got away with it, um, in my opinion. Um, they may not get away with it next Monday. Um, I know we've had again had a conversation yesterday about the, 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 the good and bad of Denver right now. But um, this game for me is a toss up next week. I wouldn't be as confident as everybody is on this Chargers team at the moment, to be honest, especially with that head coach. Let's see what happens. We'll talk about that uh, later on this week in our preview. If you want to get some comments in, folks, just search Irish NFL Show on YouTube. And if you're listening to the podcast, this is the end of the segment. Thanks very much. Well, you know the Eagles are good when our senior producer, Mr. O'Leary, puts them third in the list this week. So this is good. We're getting up there now. Uh, Eagles definitely win a tight one, Brian, in Arizona. 20-17 cards. Missed a late field goal to put the game to overtime. Um, yeah, Colin Cardinal should have scored in that drive. 
they were really getting well Kyler Murray was like Tim Tebow on that last drive oh I'll, I'll just run I'll just run man the thing that was surprised me though Brian, or Colm is Jalen Hurts I think going by the next chance stats did not throw the ball in the midfield once or if it was it was under two or three times in the game he's exploiting the sides he's not like that that, that could be something to look at going down the stretch but look the Eagles moved to 5-0 if they beat the Cowboys next week I mean wow they they, they open up a, a lead in, in, in that division to say the least but um they get the job done against Arizona. I did think they scored more points, but um, it was a it was an it was an interesting game to listen to or watch on the motorway back last night. Um, yeah, like he has been, I suppose, um, you know, much more successful in terms of utilizing the middle of the field this year, and that was the criticism that has been uh, leveled against him. Arizona did their best to to take that away a little bit yesterday, but in terms of the Cardinals offense if if their fourth quarter offense was present for the entirety of the the game uh, their record could look significantly different they seem to come to life only in the the fourth quarter a, cu- a couple of things probably stood out uh, for me the fact though that they had to go to uh, a silent count um in their home stadium um is is never a, a good sign and Look, the the kicker who who ultimately um, missed the kick. I I was very impressed um, by Justin Pugh because Madame Adola has had a, a tough few weeks. Um, I would say to all of the teams out there, um, you know, there's an Irishman on the practice squad in Jacksonville uh, who has proved, uh, you know, he he can kick. So maybe give give him a call. But in fairness to, to Justin Pugh, who has been around the the league for a little while, he stepped up and he you know, said to the media members that it wasn't just, it couldn't just be put on the, the kicker, um, that every single uh, member of the, the cards who had taken to the field had played a, a part in the defeat and it was really unfair to, to put it all on Amadola. So I thought that was um, really good leadership. And the cards are mo- another week uh, closer to, to getting Hopkins back, which I think they will be delighted about. But yeah, we've got to see more on offense from them through the, the first half. Brian, decent end of the game. Uh, Kyler Murray looking like a highlighter, actually wearing the same color that Collins wearing right now. God, that was good timing. Didn't expect yeah. that. Um, on another day, it didn't happen, but on another day, that Eagles team would have been exploited that last drive. I, I just didn't get the... Uh, decision making by the Cardinals especially by, by Cliff Kingsbury with that last was it minute and 40 it was just uh, strange but the Eagles get over the line win again there was a lot of confusion on that last drive Michael I'm going to come to it now on that particular play first of all um, yeah so the Eagles to me we watched a bit of this on the way home it looked to me like the Eagles were comfortable they're 14 look Jalen Hurts had two touchdowns the, the cards battled back which is to the point Colin makes me know in terms of they seem to be playing better in the second half of these games or even into the fourth the last drive, Kyler Murray, um, in particular, we're going to home in on this play, right? So he, he goes, it's third and 10, it's second and 10, right? And he, he runs and he slides. First of all, I felt he could have got the first down if he had a, like, a more battle-hardened quarterback would have been thrown their, their head in there, you know, as uh, we see him in other quarterbacks. And that can be that can be good, that can be bad. Like, Tyrod Taylor last week got a concussion because he ran and he stuck his head in to get a first down. I felt uh, Murray could have done a little bit more to get the first down. Then in the stadium, the announcer announced it as first down. So Kingsbury um, said, spike, in, in the radio set, they were saying that the instruction to Murray was spike the ball, spike the ball, because they thought it was first down. 
And the Eagles are saying, no, we knew it was toward in one. So there was a disconnect there. The stadium announcer is saying it's a first down for the Cardinals. Um, King, Kingsbury then says, spike the ball because he assumed it was a first down. That's a disaster in itself. So that was that completely threw the whole situation off. Um, he was short, having looked at it again, Stephen. Um, but I felt he should have done more to get the first down. Maybe that would have put them in position potentially to at least have a, an opportunity to go at the end zone. And also maybe a shorter field goal for a kicker. And Justin Pugh used to play for the Giants and he, he seems like a really good guy. And he, he can, I suppose he's commended for showing support to the kicker. But the reality, this kicker struggled with the Jets last year. And for people who don't know, he was the Chiefs kicker only a couple of weeks ago when they played in Indianapolis and he missed two field goals. So he's coming into the Cardinals already with the pressure on having had a difficult few weeks. And if don't know if you saw the, the, the snippet where they showed three uh, field goals in the practice leading up to the game in the warm-up, all in the range of 47 yards, and he hooked all three of them to the right, and he hooks the, the one he hooks the one from 47 at the end of the game to put it into overtime. So as much as Pugh can defend him, the reality is he's not, he obviously isn't at the level. Maybe Collins, right? Maybe some of these practice squad kickers should be getting the, getting the work because he's had a, he's not, doesn't seem to be doing the job. If Murray had a ram, in my opinion, better in that situation, I understand where they were. He would have got a force down. He got a, a little bit closer, an opportunity to win the game, and certainly then at least get into overtime. Cards have come up short. Eagles, big game next week. I think next next week one really is a a cracking game ahead of us next Sunday night football because the Cowboys are certainly going in the right direction as well. Looking forward to talking about the Cowboys in a minute. Let's talk about the uh, the Jets beating the Dolphins feel like an idiot not picking the Jets now want to apologize to the Jets fans either watching this broadcast or listening back in the podcast I was on the fence but before you throw meta- metaphorical stones on me I did pick the Jets was it last week or the week yeah any- anyway uh, Teddy Bridgewater concussed backup backup comes in column Jets two in a row take away the concussion situation they still put 40 points up the quarterback doesn't play defense last time I checked so uh well done to the, the to, well done to the Jets. Uh, the Dolphins. I'm intrigued to see when Tua comes back. Genuine, I really am. Um, I know they'll probably say I'll be back next week. We, until he steps out in that field, I I remain to be convinced. Um. Well, look, I think for the the Jets, they they were very impressive uh, yesterday, and their young players in particular. Uh, Alejandro Tucker has played kind of all over that offensive line and has done really, really well. Uh, Brees Hall has been impressive. Sauce Gardner has been I- I- impressive. And they have responded after probably a, a, a tough kind of opening. So uh, you, you would have to be kind of pleased for Salah and for that organization. And they were on a, a run of uh, divisional defeats. So it's great to, to see them get the, the win. There will probably be some Dolphins fans who will say, well, we were really bagged up. But, yeah, it was so with the Bills when they played you. Like, you can only go. There will always be injuries, right? That's just the, the reality of this league. And um, as we're seeing, we talked about with the Giants, guys step up. That's what you need guys to, to do. Uh, so... I think um, it will be interesting to to see how things play out in the the East, right? Because the the Patriots got got a win. The Bills look like they're in the you know they they right now, and you never know when January rolls around. But right now, the Bills are the best team I would say in football, and apparently they're looking to acquire Christian McCaffrey um, to give them a, a a run game, which would be very interesting if that were to come to pass. Um, but 
the the rest of the East is going to look at it and say, well, why not? We're competitive and everybody in the AFC is going to take wins off each other because it is uh, super competitive. But pleased uh, for the Jets. And I, I don't think it was a fluke. Uh, I think they you know, should look to, to build on this. I don't think there will, and I know nobody's expecting them to make a deep playoff run, um, but they're making progress under Salah, which is exactly what you want, and you want to see those young players develop, which is exactly what we are seeing. An OC in Lafleur and a young coach in Salah, it shows. I think in the in the New York market, Brian, if you uh, change things up, give people time, allow for things to grow, it it, it does work, and it's definitely. It's definitely working in the Jets' favor, you know. Like this, this injury to Zach Wilson in the preseason, everyone wrote them off for the year, and look at them now. Fair, fair play to them, uh, and a great win for them yesterday. Yeah, we did say in our season preview show, Michael, that they have brought in some really, really strong players, and they certainly look like they're going, going in the right direction. But again, it's go out in the field and prove it. And the last two weeks, in particular the fourth quarter, like last week, there was fourteen unanswered points by them to go in the Pittsburgh and win. And then 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter yesterday, having Miami rallied to get back to 19-17 down. You, games in the past with this Jets team, you say, oh, here we go again. The Jets are going to find a way to throw this game away. 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to put the game away. I can't recall the last time the Jets put up 40 points. The game for, for Miami was very different from the very first play. I mean, they give away a safety in the very first play of the game. They lose Bridgewater to a concussion and an elbow injury. And it doesn't look like two is going to be returning next week either. So we're going to have this torturing quarterback play for them. Things have quickly changed for this Miami team. The Miami defense played well for large parts, but the reality is, unless the offense is playing really well, it can only hold in games for so long. And Tyreek Hill is also, by all accounts, left in a, in a boot yesterday and is injured and he's doubtful for next weekend. For the Jets, it's a great win. We touched on it on the show the other day. The Jets have had these little wins throughout the course of the years, like last year when they beat the Bengals at home, and you obviously you've got to follow up with a big win. They did that, like they beat Miami in the division, and here, yeah, like was looked really realistic. It is the Bills' division. If the Bills are playing the Chiefs this weekend in Arrowhead, that game can go either way. If the Chiefs, that's a toss-up. It'd be interesting to see how the picks go on Thursday on that game. But like, say for argument's sake, the Jets were to win three in a row, and the Bills don't win this weekend, they're both tied at four and two. You could have the Dolphins winning this weekend at four and two. And you're going to have the Patriots potentially winning this weekend going 3-3. Three three. It's a tight division. Obviously, in reality, as Bills and not like good will pull away at some stage. But right now, they'll feel they're in the hunt. And maybe that's the way Salah needs to play it, the same as way which David is. We just play to our strengths and then the rest the results will take care of themselves. Let's see what happens. Obviously, well done to the Jets fans. Hard luck to the, a lot of Dolphins fans in Ireland. And people listen, hard, hard luck lads will go again next week. I didn't watch Sunday Night Football because unlike used two buckos, I had to drive a hundred odd miles up the road. And shout out to everyone living in NI because I like the, just the drive, lads, is is no bueno. Um, I seen I seen the game in forty this morning. I picked the Bengals to win. It was a close enough game, nineteen to seventeen. Ravens get the win. Justin Tucker is is money column, and uh, I I really feel that from from watching it back. If that hadn't happened last night at the end, and the Bengals had to go over the line, I just I just think the chats in Baltimore would have been very interesting. I know Coach Harbour signed an extension, and there was a lot of optimism. A lot of people like him. Lamar Jackson is currently holding his own fourth contract-wise, but 
it was a big win for them over the Bengals. It would have been a very, very, in my genuinely, I think it would have been a very, very difficult or different discussion to be had if they had lost that game based on the start of the season Cincinnati had had. And also going on in the league yesterday when the Steelers were beat, the Browns were beat. A big win for a team that needed the win as well. Yeah, I, but I suppose that's what kind of these divisional games are. I and mean, if it was the Premier League, we'd call them six pointers because everything kind of hinges on them. And the the Bengals are a, a good side. You could argue that, um, you know, maybe Zach Taylor um, needs to look at the offensive play calling and the, the tells that they have uh, because uh, last night it was obvious in terms of if Mixon was standing up, uh, they were, uh, you know, uh, going to to run it. And uh, if he was hunched over, it was going to be pass play. And that, I think, possibly became uh, very obvious to uh, the opposing defense as well. But the, for the Ravens, the, the thing is, and, and for any team that the, the Ravens are playing, you know, if you are a point or two up or, or three up, you know, and Justin Tucker walks out, um, your heart must sink because he is abso- absolutely phenomenal. Like every single stat, like the, the thing with kickers is they're generally they're so up and down. And, and you see sometimes, um, you know, somebody might have a, a really good year, but it's very difficult for them to, to follow it up. Um, and Tucker is the exception to, to that rule. Um, the, around the NFL tweeted earlier saying, uh, Tucker has made 61 straight field goals in the fourth quarter in overtime. He's the only kicker since 2000 to be perfect, 23 of 23 uh, field goals in the final minute of the fourth quarter or overtime. Um, it, it, I mean, it's just, it's just stunning. He's absolutely money, and I'm sure um, some people may have, and if you haven't heard it, uh, the. The, the field goal apparently would have, was so straight down the middle that if the uprights had only been 18 inches apart, it still would have gone through. Uh, the, the, to have that in your arsenal, um, as long as the Ravens manage to, to make it to the dance, that is a serious, serious weapon. Uh, Brian, I seen Mina Kimes tweeted that we should put like maybe like a different thing through the net to get like more points if you hit it that well. He's Justin Tucker is money, isn't he? He's like fantasy god as well. He's he's so reliable. Fantastic, he's fantastic. And maybe Zach Taylor needs to recognize who the kicker is on the other side. Colin has matched it up perfectly for me. He says it's a, it's like a six pointer in the Premiership. Yeah, it's a six pointer. This is a six point scenario. Two forty eight to go in the third quarter. Goodell Zach Taylor. Rock, rocks up, Mr. Uh, head Coach of the Year caliber, as usual, with his analytic stats and all the gobbledygook that goes, play the game instead of playing your stats. Um, he takes a field goal there, the game is tied up. Uh, they go for it on fourth and two, they don't get it. What happens? The um, Ravens drive down, and I know it's a field goal and not a touchdown, but it's, it's the significance of the situation. The Ravens drive down, and they, go, they have a fourth and inches, similar scenario. And then I think Harbour learns from his mistakes last week where he went for it against, um, against the Bills and didn't get it. He takes the field goal this week. They go up by six. The way the game plays out then, they end up winning it by two. Like, the longest play of the game for the Bengals offense was 23-yard reception to Chase, I believe. Um, they weren't moving the ball at, like we've seen in other games. So surely you should be recognizing those type of situations where when there's points on the table, you've got to take them. And their kicker is solid as well. Let's be fair. Like McPherson, he's been brilliant since he came into the league. 
that would have tied the game up. I'm not saying he would have won, but just some of the some of the play calling and some of the decisions by some of these head coaches is baffling. And it obviously seems to come from these guys who are the younger type of head coach coming into the league and think that they know it all and they find themselves in situations where it doesn't work out. I just felt in the game was so tight. Those three points in the end would have been significant potentially. Yeah, the thing for me was funny was Joe Burrow was saying about you know how if defenses keep playing like that, he's not going to get the ball down the field. I mean, he was four and a half minutes from winning the Super Bowl last year, so that's that's an interesting thing to say. Uh, hope it works out for him. Love the Bengals, up the Bengals, uh, but well done to the Ravens. Saints last night, uh, Taysom Hill three. Am I right in thinking three rushing touchdowns, one pass touchdown, 39-32 victory. He only had ten carries, Colin. Taysom Hill had ten carries yesterday, and he's officially listed as a tight end. Um, I love it. I think it's great. But at what point are teams going to get the hang of this? Because as good as he was yesterday, I mean... Just prepare to play him. Prepare to face him. It seems like every week teams go in and just don't. Like I, I don't know. Like every other team. Look at Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh lose Big Ben. They're struggling in the quarterback position. The Patriots lost Brady. They haven't had an answer since, realistically. And we can have a discussion about it at some point. Drew Brees leaves the Saints. And they've got a guy like this who's listed as a tight end, running like a horse. It's working out for them, but how long is this how long is this whole charade gonna last? Um any word on the injury to the rookie wide receivers also? Because that was a really, really bad hit yesterday. Uh, well you're asking how long it'll last, but he's been around a long time. I think the, the charade was when he was listed as a QB. I think listing him probably as a, a tight end makes more sense, but he, he's more than that and in, in fairness i'm sure sean payton will have enjoyed that yesterday because yes you mentioned the three rushing touchdowns the one passing touchdowns he had a fumble recovery he had 112 yards rushing he had 69 kickoff return That's yards mad. Mad, um, isn't it? <laughs> like this he this is a guy who who plays kind of um, you know you, you can just line him up there and uh Obviously, he started as a QB, but like he is, he's built like the proverbial brick house. And you, you can, t- teams, I suppose, they, they do, I'm sure they do try to, to scheme against it, but um, he finds a way. And like even yesterday on the breakaway touchdown, the, the Seahawks, they, the guy catches up with him, but Hill is just so strong that he carries him through. And to have that kind of gadget player. Um, and to be able to to bring him in, and, and it worked yesterday in terms of kind of bringing him in when they needed to to bring him in uh, for uh, Andy Dalton, and I thought that was um, a a good win. It was a, a win that the Saints needed because they had been really poor in the Superdome, um, really really poor at home. So they had to get that right, and uh, they did get it right yesterday. Uh, the Seahawks very impressive on offense, and in fairness to um, to them and to Gino, um, they looked really, really good. They, they the, the Seahawks fans uh, will always tell you that the Seahawks can never play a normal game, and so it is proving uh, throughout this season as well. But some of Gino's passes yesterday were magnificent. Brian. Um... Not just a good performance for the Saints after last week in London. I mean, why do we even need a bye week now with the whole London thing? I mean, they proved that yesterday. A fun performance for the neutral. 
a very explosive game, Michael. This is this is the new Seattle. It's new, maybe it's the new Saints as well. Like Seattle, we've seen in the the week last week when they won in 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 Detroit, and we saw the game against Atlanta. Their defense, we 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 spoke about it in the off season. Like their defense isn't what, what it was of old, and they will give up points. We were going to see this. We're going to see the Seattle team in high scoring games, and for parts, yes, they look like they might have got over the line. In a league where we talk about trades all the time. Tyson Hill is the jack of all trades, essentially. He can play in so many positions in this league. And uh, he had a quiet game last week in London. Like, I noticed that last week he was champing at the bit to come in time and time again to the offensive coordinator, and they weren't putting him in. He had that one touchdown in, in the in the fourth quarter in London, but he didn't have a lot of a lot of uh, plays. I don't know where it's become. They recognise him, which the team they're playing when they're soft, and, and they say, Do you know what, this is the game for him. He'd be elusive. He was very impressive yesterday, as was Gino. Um, I, I love the message that we put up on yeah, last night um, around now we're discussing who is the winner of this trade. I mean, it's it's so early to be discussing that, but right now you would say Seattle would be good, but I still don't think Geno Smith is the answer in the long run. I think he's he's too yeah. rough. Who, who tweeted that out last night? Because I, I want to have a, a very good discussion with him. It certainly wasn't me. <laughs> was it Mark, Mr. Hoagie Bear and Mr. Cockrell? Co- Mark Cockrell. It is, it, is, it is very early. But Mark's it, been, yeah. Well, Colin, Mark's been very anti, anti-Broncos in the show. He's been calling out in comments live as well. I can't wait till he comes back on this at some point before Halloween. So very, very well, anti. So the, the only, like, yeah, it, it's very, it is very early. The only thing you would say is Geno Smith has absolutely exceeded expectations and the Seahawks offense has absolutely exceeded expectations. Obviously, Penny getting the injury, but um, the, the the rookie running back has been impressive, so it's it's going to be a case of you know next man up. Right, uh, let's look at the next man up, the Cowboys column. Look really really good. Two elements here for me: twenty to ten victory. Rams really really poor yesterday. Again, their offense is not clicking. Another team, but like Green Bay, they just can't get their offense to click for the full four quarters. It's the second time I think. That McVeigh has been under 500 in his career with the Rams. It's the first time he's been under 500 this far into the season, even the five weeks. I personally feel, Colin, that the Rams have got issues that are not going to be fixed soon. It's a pity for them because the NFC is not great. The Cowboys, on the other hand, they're crazy if they start Dak Prescott on Sunday because Cooper Rush is clearly at the minute for the next two or three weeks the answer here let Dak Prescott get fully healed not Jerry Jones healed at 45 to 60 percent allow him I understand the importance of this game against the Eagles at the weekend and the significance that it has because the Eagles have looked very good on the run beaten nobody fought and Jerry Jones can say whatever the hell he thinks nobody including him gave them a chance after the first game of the season to be in this position I just think it's right to stay with Cooper Rush I don't see the point in bringing Dak Prescott in for this game at the weekend. Am I mad? Discuss. Well, let's start with the Rams because, yeah, they they definitely issues and they, I think the O-line is the, the biggest issue. Um, but when you consider in terms of under McVeigh and the points per game, so 2017, they're averaging 30 points. 2018, almost 35 points. 2019, 29 points 2020 27 last year they're averaging 28 points a game and this year 16 points a game so yeah that, that'll tell you but the, the fact is Stafford came into this season with an elbow injury and now he seems to have a bit of a, a, 
a thumb injury, a rib injury, and he was getting absolutely battered yesterday. The, the Dan Quinn didn't get the any head coaching job. He apparently, um, you know, was the favorite at one point for the Broncos. Didn't get it, but my goodness, is he putting himself out there to get a head coaching job uh, next off season? The Cowboys' defense is absolutely relentless. It comes at you from every which angle. Matthew Stafford just didn't ha- stand a chance yesterday. Um, and even though uh, I think Cooper Rush had, what was it, about 100, 102 yards passing or, or something in that, I think he had 10 um, <laughs> uh, completions, uh, like the, the Cowboys looked in control of that game throughout. They never, ever looked uh, like they were going to, to give it up. The Rams last year went through a period where in November they lost, and we discussed this with Kevin O'Connor, they, they lost three in a row. They bounced back. This year, it's going to take more than that because it does. It doesn't look right, and um, they they do have um, issues to to sort to sort out. They still have Aaron Donald, and in Aaron Donald, they will always have uh, a human wrecking ball who can come in and um, wreck, wreck teams. But uh, you would have to say, given the injuries that the Cowboys have had to that O-line, I, I was relatively impressed. There was only kind of a couple of times where one where they left Darren Donald uh, one-on-one against the, the rookie and that didn't work out so well. But apart from that, the Cowboys handled their business yesterday. Brian, are you ready for the TikTok wheel? The big question? The big clip from this week's episode? Through five weeks, who's the better team in LA? Oh God, that's tough for Michael. Um... The charges, I suppose, is because they have got a winning record and whilst they have inconsistencies, they play good football and offense. Right now, this Rams, Collins, you know, he's laid it down perfectly. Like, this offense has fallen, I wouldn't say it's fallen off the cliff, that's probably a little bit too harsh. But is there any wonder he's got, um, Stafford has got all these injuries? He's getting he's getting destroyed every week. The offensive line has really tailed back from Najer and we, we expect it to a certain extent with Whitworth retiring and um, I can't recall the name of the right guard who left him free agency. He was a big loss as well. And they haven't replaced him at that level. We're seeing that now, clearly. And they're not getting anything going on the run game. The run game is non-existent. Akers, is, he'd have a good game one week. He'd be going missing for three. Henderson isn't the answer either. Sonny Michel was there last year. He, he went. So there's problems on defensively this year as well. We haven't seen them play to the level in which we saw... You know, they played complimentary football last year. Yeah, they, they, the offense was putting up a lot of points, but the defense was really explosive as well. We're not seeing that this year either. If you're asking me that question, it has to be the Chargers, but the jury would be out on them as well. Um, Who starts for the, the quarterback on Sunday for the, for the Cowboys? Uh, Cooper Rush, absolutely. Um, because the game has to be played in a way where they have methodical drives and they keep the Eagles' offense off the field. Um, there's also a report this evening, which we, we, we haven't all picked up potentially, is that... They don't think Dak will be ready for Sunday. They're saying he's not going to be fully fit for Sunday. Now, again, it's speculation. But even if he was fully fit for me, this game should be played with Cooper Rush because he's got a good handle of his offense. 10 first downs in the entirety of the game. That's all they got on offense with Cowboys. But again, they didn't have to do a lot yesterday, but they're not turning the ball over. They're playing smart football and they're using Pollard more efficiently. We spoke about him being better you know, than Zeke at this stage of Zeke's career. They're using him. He had a big touchdown yesterday. They're playing smart football. We're used to seeing Cowboys play explosive games and come out the right side of some, then they lose on others. That's not the Cowboys team we're seeing. But this defense 
The Cowboys team is running through this defense now. The offense will just play complimentary football today. Okay, for people on the podcast, I'm sorry, but I'm fading. It's been a long 72 hours. Uh, Let's just... I, I will, can I just say, I, I think Dak will be back in. I think they think Jerry will ensure Dak is back in. I agree. I, I think Jerry Jones is inept and he will ensure that he's back in because he it, thinks that this is America's game. The Eagles are the big boys of the NCs. We have to beat them. Oh, I know what will beat them. Dak Prescott and it won't happen. The Eagles lads will be laughing if Dak Prescott comes in. Well, this is a McCarthy situation, isn't it? That this really is now. Are you allowing me to coach the team or are you, are you coaching the team? Because... I don't we know all know who runs the books up there. Well, like, we, we, I mean. Yes, of course we do. And then I'm sure every Cowboy fan who watches the show would, would say the same thing. The game is in Philly. If it was in Dallas, I'd probably think maybe the uh, approach would be to go with Dak. But because it's on the road, I just think they'll try Cooper Rush, methodical drives, take the crowd out of it, and then let the defence go after Hortz because, as last column said, this defence is for real. So it'd be interesting to see how the Eagles offence can match up against Parsons and these guys on, on Sunday, like Lawrence as well and digs if he goes after Hortz with particular shows. It's kind of, it makes for a great game suddenly. It's a, it's a really enticing game to say play for this weekend. Yeah, going to be a hell sort of that football. Chiefs-Bills is in the late window as well. Uh, Saints-Bengals in the early window as well. So some really, really good games which we'll look forward to in a few days. We're going to talk about the Vikings very quickly. Um, the Vikings uh, allowed the Bears to come back from a 21-point deficit. Um, I've seen Bears fans on the internet column today talking about Justin Fields and about his potential and he's now showing signs of uh, signs of growth okay um, what I got from watching this game this morning the highlights at the very very least was they're not a very good football team and you could put prime any quarterback in there it's not going to it's not going to get them over the line their defence is still letting up I mean 29 points yesterday that being said, the Vikings, to let the Bears back into the game with that amount of points is something that Kevin O'Connell is going to have to work on because, you know, they come out of London last week to get the win, they get straight back over again. I'd say they'll be very disappointed with the manner of that. I mean, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing, but um, if they were to let that 21-point deficit go down or actually be defeated against a team of the Bears' quality at the moment... That would have been a that would have been an embarrassing result for Minnesota. Would you agree with that, or do you think I'm being too harsh on Bears fans? I I think given it's a divisional game, it, that that it always plays a role. And and look, this is Minnesota. They they have history of of doing this. You know, recent history and longer term. The Vikings have all you know there's a reason that you don't bet on the vikings to win or to lose because you, you never know what a vikings team is capable of and certainly in the divisional game that adds to it as well at least we saw justin fields throw, throw the ball a bit more yesterday um which they they, they allowed him a, a little bit more freedom to to do that but this is a huge rebuilding um, project that the the Bears need to undertake, and um, for for them, I suppose they they're ho- they have to hope that they have the right people in charge there. I, I don't, I, you know, for them, I really think this season. I know Brian said at the start there were Bears fans who felt that this could be a nine win team. I don't believe that will be the case. I think this is about finding out who they should keep around um, and build around for the 2023 20, season. 
given the mess that they were left in under the the previous GM. Um, but certainly, you look, you know, I think for a lot of fans, they're going to look at this Bears team. They're going to see right the fact that you know, the Giants went out. The Giants got a GM. The Giants got a head coach. They're going to say, well, why can't we do that? Well. Every situation is different, and Joe Shane Dable knew each other quite well, and Dable is coaching, you know, incredibly well. Not everyone is going to perform that. I don't have expectations for this Bears team this year. This year, um, the, I think the Vikings will just be happy to get a win. Brian, um, we're all going to be subjected to this on Thursday night. Um, big shout out to all the Bears fans that are heading over to that game from Ireland. I really hope it's a good game. Please Jesus, right. because I can't stand another week of that. It's um, yeah, it's a look. The NFL schedule they, they don't know what's going to come come when the game is announced. People may not know it's Washington traveling into Soldier Field to take on the Bears on Thursday night, and right now it doesn't look like the most enticing game to stay up for. Um, I just want to touch on the Vikings. Like we're we're giving Brian Dable all the kudos tonight for being coach of the year potentially, but right now Kevin Kevin O'Connell's doing a great job as well. Let's be fair. Like this Vikings team are four and one. The Vikings team over the course of the three or four years on the Zimmer lose that game last night. That's the kind of game where they get up a big lead and, yeah, okay, they allow the Bears to come back into it. And at one stage we said, oh, how, hang on, how is this game going to go? And they drove down with a significant drive at the end and having pulled out a win last week against Saints to, to, to win a game against, albeit a team who's struggling this season, it's a significant win for them because the Packers have lost yesterday. Kevin O'Connell needs to be commended to they, they're going to put up points because they've got so many great players in Jefferson, Thielen and Cook when he's on his game. The Bears, and we call them, it's one of those situations they're trying to, trying to get an understanding of who's there next year and who's not there. And it'd be interesting to see what the narrative is headed towards this game because obviously Washington are, have their struggles. Um, we've seen Ron Rivera's press conference in the last couple of hours where he said what's the difference between his team and, and all the other teams within the NFC East. He said quarterback. And uh, they, they tried to push him on whether he was losing fate with Carson Wentz. And he said, no, 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 he will get better as the season goes on. It'd be interesting to see these two quarterbacks who are under pressure on Thursday, which one comes out on top. Um, but for the Bears, it's one of those games where they probably felt they could have got away and have him come back so well and show a bit of fight for the new head coach. But ultimately, the talent prevailed in the end with his, with his Vikings team. Right, let's jump on a couple of games here to look at. We'll first look at the, um, the Bucks win. Over the Falcons. Falcons should have come back into this game and won. Uh, Colin. That call. That flag. Um, it was pretty controversial. And Tom Brady was asked about it. And he said, well, I, I don't. That's not on me. I'm just, you know. <laughs> Is this the end of Jerome Booger? Booger? Booger, Booger? Um, there, there, were, there were a huge number of, of poor calls in the game. Uh, de- definitely in terms of non-calls and, and also some of the other uh, rushing the, the passer calls. And yeah, look, it was ridiculous. The, the thing that doesn't seem to be getting talked about either is the fact that Brady kicked out. Um, he definitely aimed a kick, uh, which just seems to have been completely ignored. And I think the the reality is, is that we saw other really bad, there was a really bad call a, against um, in, in the Washington game. Uh, yesterday as well, where um, the rough in the past was called for a hit on Wentz that was um, crazy. So to, to me, yes, it was a bad call. And 
the the really troubling aspect of it was the fact that the refs doubled down afterwards, right? In terms of the explanation. And I, I don't know if that's referees can never admit that they, they got it wrong, but to say that, you know, he used unnecessary, unnecessary roughness was just, it's crazy. Everyone, it was like the entirety of the internet united last night in seeing what a, a terrible call it was. I don't believe it cost him the game. Tom Brady is, seems to be destined to always beat the, the Falcons. But yes, it was a bad call and the ref's explanation made it infinitely worse. Shock and run. Flag. That was no. terrible, Michael. Come on. We, we were all together when we saw it and we all looked at each other like, what was that? Um, I feel for the Falcons because having been 21-0 down and everybody thought it was one of those games that was petering out, they came back and rallied in the fourth quarter and they got 15 points so they went for the two-point conversion. Um, they would have been given an opportunity to win the game. The way the Bucks defense was slowing down in the fourth quarter, I don't know whether it was the Heat or just, they just the Falcons were finding a way to figure them out, you know, at least give them the opportunity to win to win the game. They'll feel very disgruntled today, the head coach will, that they weren't at least giving the ball back. And then if they don't score, they don't score and they lose the game. But it was a bad decision. I saw a few people today um, on Twitter and on various, various different socials saying... It, people are saying, oh, it's Brady, the Brady factor, and he, he, he's able to get these decisions. Maybe so, but like he, he said, it's, it's not on me. The decision is the decision. But uh, anybody out there can see it was a terrible decision. Uh, you could be right. Booger might get a, a week off. The NFL tried to tend. But then again, the NFL have to come out and then admit it was the wrong decision, and I doubt they will. But uh, the Bucs are struggling, to be honest. They're, like, they're not playing well. Um, and any time they come up against a good team now, going towards the playoffs, I can't see them. They're going to win those games. This isn't in the quack fire, but I'm going to be quick about this. I'll be very, very clear here. I, I was very, very impressed with Bailey Zappi. Zapp, uh, the first quarterback, first rookie quarterback of a win, and a 100-plus pass for written in the league since Daniel Jones three years ago. Um, looks fresh. Didn't throw a pick, Colin. Didn't, didn't, go, didn't look poor under pressure, albeit against the Lions. Lions have put up a lot of points. Defense play well for the Patriots. Um, hypothetically, if Zap was or Zappy was going to play, I guess for the next two or three weeks, do we have a discussion in New England in any way, shape, or form? Okay, so yeah. if Mac Jones comes back in again and starts throwing picks, do we have a discussion? Is there? I mean, it's like the lads doing. He's he's done well. He done well last week in Green Bay to an extent. He done very well last night, as far as I'm concerned. He's trying his best. His stats are decent over over two weeks there. I think it's a genuine conversation to have for the crack. Why not? Well, we can have any conversation for the crack. Oh, are we? We could have a conversation with Russell Wilson be replaced by Brett Rippon. I mean, if 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 Mac Jones is the Patriots starting QB. Zappi has come in and has done well, but the Lions defense is is appalling. And the Lions fans and Lions media today wondering about Aiden Hutchinson and when he's going to begin to, to show signs of life. It's very early. Listen, we live in this 24-hour news media cycle. Everyone wants to, to talk about it, but teams aren't going to move off their starting uh, QB and um they so so the Zappi could well become QB two certainly, um, but he they, beating the Lions is not going to uh, somersault him for me into to QB one. Look, 
if if it were to happen and this if you if we want to talk for the crack uh if it were to be that they found another tom brady some somehow some way and all of a sudden he becomes it uh can can you imagine another two decades of the the patriots no i i think mac jones will, will come back in um this was Bill Belichick, and Mark had talked about it. Mark Hockrell had said, but Belichick has the ability to get in Goff's head. That's what we saw in this game. Yeah, I don't, Brian. I don't think Mac Jones is going to be replaced. Don't get me wrong. I just it's an it's an it's an interesting conversation to have. Zappi's done very very well to come in. They to go to Lambeau Field, and to then go up against. Okay, I get what comes in with the defense, but they go up against a team that's led in and has really proven people wrong so far this season with their expectations of them. He's done well. Everyone's given Bill Belichick credit here. But Zappi has been the man for these two weeks as far as I'm concerned. Well, Belichick should get all the credit, Michael, because I said it last week after the Packers game, he is coaching the team. And Mark would even say he's, co- he's coaching a set of players and whether they're winning these games or not. Played the Ravens, had an opportunity to win the game at the end. Um, played the Packers into overtime last week. Maybe that's not as because of achievement as, as as we thought maybe this Packers team isn't as good as we, we thought it we first imagined going into the season and I think I even said on the show Friday I said I could see this being a, even a shutout and there we go because Dan Campbell if Belichick's the kind of coach if you want to lap it up and do stupid things during the game that's fine I'll just coach properly Dan Campbell went for fourth down seven times in the game and didn't get one didn't get one for, uh, completion, uh, one fourth down on those so when you're doing that throughout the course of the game you're just going to lend a hand to down Bill Belichick to play a sensible game. And they had 52 rushing plays in the game. They kicked five field goals. They were just tagging on points over the course of the game. And the Lions couldn't do much thereafter. Um, in terms of the quarterback situation, it's a nice fit for him because he has a quarterback there that will just do what's asked him. He won't make any rash decisions, throwing the ball down the field. He'll just he'll do what he's asked, play methodical football. And that suits him. And then when Mac Jones is ready, they're playing in Cleveland this weekend. That's an interesting game. See if if I'm not sure where Mac Jones is in terms of his injury recovery at the moment. If he be be back, but um, certainly that's a that's a big game this weekend, especially with Belichick and his old time in uh, Cleveland. Certainly a game he'd be he'd be looking forward to as well. Indeed, let's go quick far. Um, four games to look at very very quickly here. Texans beat the Jags. Jags very very poor. I'm going to jump on another one. You can talk about the R two. Uh, like I don't even want to talk about Texans Jags game. No harm to the crack. Kenny Pickett will will get the season season and a half he needs. Bills run riot over the Steelers. Uh, interesting defensive performance. Column the Niners looking good against the Panthers. Really, really good. Baker Mayfield obviously injured as well. We've talked about Matt Rule. Anything that tickled your fancy from that game or any game that I talked about there now? Um, the a couple of the the hits on Kenny Pickett were late. And um, but you know uh, both in terms of the low hit and the the one the, where it was a late as he was sliding and seventy eight went in and then realized he was on the Bills sideline. The Bills beat up on um, a, a bad a bad team. Um, they will they will learn uh, from that. Um, Trevor Lawrence had an awful 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 day. Uh, I think safe to say uh, for the Niners, the injuries continue to to mount up, but that defense is scary good. I close it out with the Titans. Titans be Washington. Um, I think we all went for the Titans and felt they would win this game. Probably a little bit more comfortable than it was. Like the Commanders had a chance to win the game at the end and. The stats today. The Commanders only had one force down. Uh, one they only completed got a force down off 
11 times and third down, only got one in the once in the course of the game. And in the fourth quarter, the Titans only had one fourth down. They only had one fourth down in the in the fourth quarter. It was a game that both sides were trying to do their utmost to lose. Mandos had the chance at the end, couldn't put it over the line. There's, I'm gonna get the sense things aren't. We got it's obvious things aren't right there, but we see Rivera today coming out and starting to be a little bit critical of the quarterback. In particular, that for, that play at the end, which was the interception, but the game there to be won. But we saw it with other games this weekend where the quarterbacks are throwing it instead of running it, and maybe they should have leaned on the new running back in Robinson, who was back playing in the game. So, Titans would be delighted to get out there, top of the division, but Washington will have to win this game next weekend against the Bears. Otherwise, I think Rivera will, will really be under pressure to hold on to his job. Okay, let's look Monday Night Football quick picks Vegas Chiefs. I was going to watch this game now. I'm think, thinking I might not, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, do you know what? Mark Cockrell's not here. I'm presuming Mark's picking the Chiefs. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game. I think the Chiefs will win this game comfortably. I'm taking them on the minus seven and a half handicap tonight. I, I think that the Raiders will struggle offensively. I feel that the crowd at Arrowhead will get under Carr and get under Devontae Adams. While the defense will try to stop Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs will have far too much for the Raiders and that's why I think the Chiefs will win this game comfortably uh, they'll win it 34-14 to 14. Colm who have you got tonight? Uh, I know that there's a decent contingent of uh, Chiefs fans from Ireland and the UK gone out I know Neil Blair who um, is a regular viewer of, of this show is out there um, Patrick Mahomes has enjoyed playing against his divisional rivals in the AFC West and for me, I think that will continue this evening. I have the Chiefs winning this. Um, throughout the course of the Wednesday towards the last week when we were talking about this game, I was thinking I could see in numerous scenarios where the Raiders would run them close but not win the game. Then I started delving into the, to the, the history of the game. I know the Raiders have turned them over, but then last year, um, I know Gus Bradley was there, but like, the Chiefs put up huge points on them. Um, the Chiefs over the last five years have averaged 37 and a half points per game against the Raiders team. So no matter who the defense coordinator is, they always seem to find a way to put big points up on And we've seen a Raiders offense that's been very stop-start over the course of the season. Can they live with that? It's hard to know. I can't see it, especially on a Monday night crowd behind the Chiefs. They've got to take Kelsey out of the game. Kelsey's had a great start to the season. Mahomes is 22-3 and three against AFC West. I think by the time we hit 5 a.m. tonight, it'll be 23 and 3 and the Chiefs roll on ahead of what is a massive game on Sunday and the Raiders are left propping up the division Indeedy I'm calling the halt on tonight's broadcast I'm too tired have you had in the say Colin? Uh, full, a full house uh, if, if Raiders fans are looking for hope I, I think that is uh, certainly uh, <laughs> certainly gives it to you because generally when we uh, when, when we go across the board it, it very often um, it tends to be the case somebody's asking who's going to have a better season Robert Sala or Mo Sala uh, well I think I think it's Robert it's, Ro- it's Robert certainly at the at the moment and... actually Colin f- thanks for the heads up on that talk Salah situation because that's how my brother ended his wedding speech on Saturday saying that he hopes Liverpool would lose on Sunday and shout out to Sean on this broadcast because Sean has ruined my life now who gets married the day before that London game I'm, I'm actually like exhausted how have we done this broadcast and how have I found we're, the energy 
Sorry. Just one one more. Um, I see uh, Declan uh, had had a question in terms of Barkley uh, MVP. I think we we all know that the MVP tends to be the um, prettiest quarterback, uh, but certainly offensive player of the year, comeback player of the year, I think could well be in the the running for for both. Brian. Well, I want to congratulate Sean, for, uh, Michael's brother, who did get married the weekend. Um, every week on Monday, one is usually tired and one is rocks up wearing a hat. So I was a bit concerned that we could go a week where, where there's no hat worn in the show. So I just thought, even that's in it. Absolute steal of that now. <laughs> for, people, for people listening to this, he's wearing a Giants hat, but I, I so realise I, I don't see him. I don't think I've worn a hat in years, but if, if it was ever a good Monday to wear a hat, it's this. So there you go, Michael. There you go. Uh, and shout out to everybody I met at the wedding that listened to this podcast, including Kevin. I know you're listening or watching. Couldn't believe it. There, It's a small world, lads. Uh, presented by Cassidy Travel. Check out the link in the bio. Click on Game Pass. We're back Wednesday at 10. 10. And Thursday at 9.30? Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Happy days. There's no London game this week, and that's it for the week. Uh, follow us at IRENFL. Check out the podcast, um, and we'll see you soon. Brian, put the hat on again. One more shout out, Michael. Uh, we were outside the ground yesterday. Raider Lee, who was a keen follower of the show, came up and had a nice chat with me and Colin. He'll be, up, he'll be staying up late to watch the game tonight, so best of luck to all the Raiders and, and Chiefs fans tonight. Yeah, you can see how tired I am. Sorry about clicking all that wrong. And big shout out to him and a shout out to everyone who watches this show. We'll see you on Wednesday. Keeper, let's long a file. Good luck, hi. Good luck. <laughs>